time. So, well, good morning. My name is Lowell, and I'm the lead pastor here at Centerpoint. And um, just want to run through a few things with you before we get started into our time in God's Word. And so um, I ask you to open up your Bible, though. If you have a Bible with you, you're going to need that in just a few moments. We're going to be in the book of Matthew, so you might want to uh, work in the direction of finding that. You know, we are all about Jesus Christ and pointing to Him and allowing our life to reflect Him and allowing Him to operate as the King of our lives. That's what our call is here at Centerpoint Bible Church. We say we point to Jesus Christ and His Word, and we really mean it. And um, I want you to know we really believe with all of our heart, as God has told us in His Word, that Jesus Christ really lived. He really died for our sins. He was really buried. He was there for three days. And he really rose again from, the, from death, conquering death and sin and offering to us life, eternal life, knowing God, the creator of the universe and Jesus Christ, whom he has sent. And Jesus comes to give us life, abundant life, life to the full. You see, the Bible speaks of one that opposes man and opposes God. He's called a couple different things in the Bible, Satan, the devil, the accuser, and he's, he's the one operating in this whole system that we see around us that opposes God. And he wants nothing more than to kill, destroy, and to steal. That's what the Bible says about the, the, the accuser against the brethren. But Jesus comes to give us life, to give us life. I want to say a few things or just some things that are coming in, the, in a few weeks. First of all, I want to say a word about this. On June 23rd, that's a Sunday in a few weeks, um, we're having a, a seminar that day after our worship service at 1 o'clock. Uh, Pastor Steve Dobson will be leading that. And we're calling it God's Perfect Picture, Your Finances. That's a struggle that, that many of us understand, the battle of how to live on a budget. Man, that is a tough one, isn't it? And so Steve will be talking about that and many other things on June 23rd. I invite you to that if that's something that is a need in your life, whether you are, are single, married, old, young, whatever you are in life, you can learn from, from Steve and, and the wisdom God has given him as a follower of Jesus of how to, how to work in the area of your finances. Related to that... Um, Last week, we had a seminar we called God's Perfect, Perfect Picture for Marriage. And from that, we have a, a group of, of married people. Some of them married as little as two or three years. Some of them married as many as 30 years plus. And they are now waiting in the wings to operate as a marriage mentor for you. If you say, you know what? I love my spouse we, we've got a great marriage, we love one another, we're committed to one another, but we could really use a friend to come alongside and just kind of walk with us right now on, on how, to, how to live out this marriage relationship. I, I've got people waiting, waiting and praying for the opportunity to come alongside you and to act like a mentor or a discipler. And so if that's something that you say, you know, we could use that right now. It doesn't mean your marriage is struggling. It doesn't mean you're in trouble. It just means, you know what, we could just, we're going through a period right now, maybe it's because of children in your lives, maybe it's because of financial struggles, maybe it's just because you've been married for a while, and you say, we could use somebody just to talk to and interact and hear how they do this. Well, we've, we've got them waiting for you. Talk to me, talk to one of the pastors, let them know that that's something that would be an advantage for you. Well, we are getting ready as a church to walk another step of faith, aren't we? It's been, a, I tell you, it's been a journey, Centerpoint Bible Church. We've been here for over 10 years meeting in this middle school. 
And for 10 years, every three months, we had to go to the Board of Education and request permission to meet here again for three more months. For 10 years, we did that. And after 10 years, the Board of Education said, it's time to close that door. They were speaking on behalf of the Lord, because God is sovereign over all things. And so our time here at, at Spring Mills Middle School is coming to an end. We only have two more Sundays, that counting today. One more, actually. Whoa, I just missed up there. One more Sunday. Next week is it for here at Spring Mills Middle School. So on June 9th, we're heading across those woods. We're going to meet at Faith Christian Academy. It's a bit of a distance. Um, there's some papers over on the Welcome Center. If you want to know some information about where it's located and how things will operate. Listen, this is a very exciting time for us. You say, well, I don't like change. I get over it. Change is good. Change is good. It allow, it, it, I tell you, one, some of the things that change does for you is allows you to get rid of things that you don't need to keep. We talk about that in the podcast coming tomorrow through, in your email. We're going to talk about that very issue of change and, and how to function in the midst of change and the changes that are coming for Centerpoint Bible Church. Listen to that podcast tomorrow. But I want to say a word about how it's going to work in two weeks on Sunday morning. So I'm very excited about this, about what the Lord has in, in, in really just in, in place for us. So on Saturday evening... On June 8th, we will have set up at Faith Christian Academy. Now, one of the things I'm excited about is, as I believe our setup and teardown is going to be a little bit more simplified. All right? It's a battle to set this place up every single week. It really is. And God has enabled us to do it. And some of you have put in a lot of hours preparing and setting up. Thank you for your ministry. Saturday night, that will happen. I encourage you to come out. When my children, who are now big, were very, very little, 11 years ago, they came out with us every single Saturday night. Every Saturday night, our kids came out. And they did set up. And so a memory that my, my children have stored away in their brains is pushing these tables around and setting up little chairs well, big chairs to them, but setting up chairs for, for this to happen. It's a way that we as a family serve together. And, and I, I wouldn't trade those. It was, it was inconvenient at times. It was, it was unsettling to pick up and come in for setup. But now as an older parent whose kids are now leaving the nest, those are good memories. Those are good memories. Invest in what God allows you to invest in. Now on Sunday morning, this is how it's going to operate because it's a little different for us. It's very purposeful. You may not believe this, but a lot of things we do, we do on purpose, okay? And so one of them was having our worship at 9.30. Now, the reason why we did that, there's a lot of reasons behind it, but, but one of them is we wanted everyone to be together in one, as one group in this time of transition. We wanted the whole body to be together. You know that in just like an hour and a half, this room's going to be filled with all different people, okay? We wanted everybody together for worship. So at 9.30, we will have worship. It's, it's going to be virtually this, the same thing that's going to happen over there that happens here, okay? So what you're used to here, we're going to do over there. You're even going to sit in the same chairs, all right? It's going to be the same seats. So you're nice and comfortable in that plastic chair. It's coming with you, okay? So that'll be at 9.30, now, there, there, is a, there are a few small minor adjustments. Like, for instance, one of the things we're going to do is that all children from kindergarten up are going to stay in the worship room with us for the first couple of songs. Now, the reason we're doing that is we think there is a great value in your kindergartner, your second grader, standing beside you as you praise the Lord. 
We really do. Just like we believe it is very important for your fourth grader, your fifth grader, to sit down the road from you and watch dad with the Bible open up in his lap. You say, well, some of the things that you say or the pastor says goes right over my fourth grader's head. I know that. I know that. But you are the teacher of those children. And much more is caught than taught. And them seeing you reading God's word and making notes and circling things and and filling out worship notes, that teaches them a value. So we want them with you. We want them with you. So for the first three songs, everyone through third grade, well, I'm sorry, the kindergartners through third grade are going to be with us in the worship room. And then we'll send them to the end of their classrooms, okay? They'll be here to sing with us. I'm excited about that. I really am. Now, after our worship service, we'll have focus hour, all right? This is, this is another intentional decision. We want everyone, we seriously want 100% involvement in the focus hour. We want you to stay. Say, well, should I stay? Yes. Yes, you should stay for the focus hour. We have several that are happening. We have a full complement of ministries from birth to the grave, I guess, okay? So there's ministries all from, from one end to the other. We have ministries for you. Um, some, of the, some, of the focus out, some of the focus classes that are going to be happening this year, um, I think I can walk through them for you. Um, we have a men's focus group. Uh, Pastor John Biddle will be leading that group through the Gospel of John. We have a ladies' class, a ladies' focus group that's led by several different women in our church. Right now they're studying a book called Lies Women Believe. We have a focus group that we call The Middle, and this is basically for any families. If you're a family, I don't care whether you're married or you have kids, well, you, married kids, it doesn't matter, okay? It's just for families. And, and what, what, what Chris Dozier and I lead that group, that focus group, and what we're going to do starting on June 9th is a study of the book of Psalms. And we're just calling it a real-life look, okay? A real-life look at life, really. And so in our general focus group, this is a wide-open group for anybody. There'll be men, women, married, single, families, whatever. Pastor Brock and Pastor Bill will be leading that, and they're going to work through the book of Galatians. So that's at 11 o'clock starting on June 9th. I'm talking fast. I hope you're listening fast. So when you walk in the building, let's talk about what's going to happen on June 9th when you get there, all right? So this is a a not-to-scale map of of the part of Faith Christian Academy that we will be using, all right? If you've never been to, to FCA, you want to look for the big blue flags. They'll be on Route 45, and they'll be right there in front of the school. When you see the big blue flags, you come on in. Park in the parking lot and look for the big blue flags. Because that's the entrance. All right? There'll be some big blue flags there flying around. You can see them. All right? And there's a, there's a guy waving right beside of them. That's Pastor Billy right up there. Okay? So it's an actual picture of Pastor Billy, but not to scale. Um, so look for the blue flags. And you're going to walk in that door. If you're dropping your children off, you'll turn to the right. If you are coming right into worship, you'll turn to the left. We have, a, we have worship there in the gymnasium. We're going to have that all set up. We're excited about that. We're, we're doing things to prepare for that. It's going to be a great morning of worship. And then you'll head down the hallway for some of our children's ministries. And then a few of our adults will be heading out into the modulars, some of our teens. And so that's how it's going to operate on June 9th. This is an exciting time for us, folks. It really is. I'll tell you why. Because we're on an adventure. We're on an adventure. And we, God has been leading us. You know, we, did, we didn't say, hey, let's do this. Let, let's go ahead and move the, the summer of 2019. 
But God, the great architect, is setting this up. And along with that, I want to tell you this. Be praying for our church right now. Be praying for our leadership. Because since we, um, since we shared with you what's happening with, with the, the Board of Education, since we shared with you the willingness of our leadership to say to the Lord, if, if you want to do something different with that property th- that we own right next door, 21 acres that we own right next door, and we said to the Lord, if you want to sell it and do something different with our church, that is your prerogative. You are the owner. We are not. And so we let go of it, palms down. Since then, three very positive opportunities have arisen for us. And we are right now in a, in a, in a due diligence stage of evaluating three different properties right here in the Spring Mills community. And you can pray for us because the Lord is leading. And I want to tell you more, but I just can't right now. So here's what we're evaluating. You pray for us. It's the same five things we've been talking about for over a year. Here's what we look for in a building. We need a place to worship, We need a place for our children and our adults. We need use use of it through the whole week. We need to have parking and a fiscal responsibility. And we are evaluating three different possibilities within a short distance of where you're sitting right now. And I believe that we're going to have an answer with one of those very soon. Very soon. So be in prayer for our leadership. God is leading and directing. He's going to use us. He's going to use us as we are faithful to him. He will overwhelm us with his faithfulness. Let's pray to him right now. Lord Jesus, I thank you for the opportunity to be here today, to meet in this building. Lord, it's been a, it's been a great opportunity for us for the last decade. We thank you for it. And Lord, we look to our future now. We know you have it. You are the captain. You are the architect, Lord. You are the chief shepherd of this body of believers. And so we ask you to lead us, Lord, to show us your will. Lord, for our move to Faith Christian Academy, we believe that it's a temporary move. We believe that it's something that you have orchestrated. We believe that this is what you have called us to, and we are walking by faith. I'm reminded of Abraham, who was, who was told to leave, and he didn't even know where he was going, but go. And Lord, that's what we're walking now, and we thank you for your presence. Now, Lord, as we look to your word, God, set our hearts, speak to us, May our spirit be open to the work of your spirit. And Lord, may we be willing to change what you call us to change. Encourage us where we need it, Lord. And you be the king. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I had a bit of a problem years ago. And um, I tell you, it was, it was a tough one to really deal with. It's centered around a 7-Eleven, okay? See, on my way to work, I drive right by a 7-Eleven. And I started one day, I, I pulled in there in the morning and, 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 and walked inside. I was a little bit hungry, okay? And I walked inside down that row of evil food, the several of them in the 7-Eleven. You, know, you got the candy bars and the cakes and the chips and, and all that kind of stuff. And, and I walked in and, and there 
on the display, almost glowing, okay? It had like a, it, just an aura about it, just a glow, was this, this item that when I was a child, I could never really get enough of. It was those pecan spins. You know what I'm talking about? They come in that little two-pack, okay? And you can unroll it and get that, like, cinnamon buttery stuff all over your fingers. And you can unroll and eat it very, very... You know what I'm talking about? Like a roll of tape, okay? And so one day I, I went in there and I, and I bought one. And I was like, this is good. This is good. So the next day I'm going to work and I think, you know, that, that pecan spin, <laughs> that thing was good. I think I'll stop and get another one. And then the next day, and then the next day, and then the next day, and then the next day. And then, and then one day I went in and they had the, you know, the two pecan spins, they had a deal. Buy one, get one free, okay? So how do you pass that up? So that day I walked out with two packs of pecan spins, sat in my truck, had about five minutes of just glory as I ate those pecan spins. So I was then on four spins a day, okay? And that continued, that continued for a while until one day I walked in and I I don't know whether these were new on the shelf or I had never seen them before, but lo and behold, there before me, I mean, I I couldn't have designed something better, but they had a six pack, all right? (laughs) And for a while, I had a real problem. I would pick up one of these six packs in the morning and I'd hit, you know, one or two And then throughout the day, I'd just sort of like slowly, you know, feed my, I hesitate to say the word addiction because that's a horrible thing to even joke about. But in many ways, that's how it felt. And I I built up this need for the spin. Anybody else understand this? You know, we as humans can get almost addicted to just about anything. And in our culture, in Martinsburg, here in Berkeley County, we see, we see firsthand what addiction can do. It can destroy lives. But the Bible speaks of a different kind of addiction that not only destroys your body, but can destroy your soul. And that's what I want to talk about today. An addiction that mankind can develop that will destroy his soul. And Jesus warned us about it. In Proverbs chapter 27, there's an interesting little proverb that Solomon writes for us. And here's what it says. The crucible is for silver. The furnace is for gold. So what that means is the the crucible and the furnace are this this hot place that kind of drains away all the impurities and reveals the true nature of this precious metal. So the crucible is for silver, the furnace is for gold, but man is tested by his praise. Hmm. You see what the proverb writer is saying here. You want to know what the true nature of your character is? Wait as somebody praises you. You see, we can become addicted, like the pecan spins, we can become addicted to the praise of men. To what people think or feel or say about us. We can truly become addicted to this and live our lives just absolutely consumed with what people have to say or think or feel about us. Jesus addresses this. Today we're going back to the Sermon on the Mount. 
Okay, it's where we're going to head. And, and to see that, I want you to open up now. First of all, I think I might have told you earlier wrong. First of all, I want you to go to Luke chapter 6. Go with me to Luke chapter 6, which if you are a, a student of the Bible, you're probably thinking, wait a minute. He said Sermon on the Mount. That's supposed to be Matthew 5 and 6. Maybe a little messed up. No, Luke chapter 6 today. Luke chapter 6. We'll go to Matthew 6 in just a minute. But I want you to see something here in Luke chapter 6. See, Luke chapter 6 is a parallel to Matthew chapter 5 through 7. Four different gospel writers. All of them write from different perspectives. And an interesting study is to do what's called a harmony of the gospels and to see the things that are happening within the, within the life of Jesus from the four different perspectives. And in Luke chapter 6, we have the Sermon on the Mount. It's a condensed form. It should be familiar to you. Look at verse number 20. And he lifted up his eyes. This is Luke chapter 6, verse number 20. He lifted up his eyes from his disciples and said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. That should sound familiar. That sounds a lot like the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5. But what I want us to see here, before we go into this passage in Matthew chapter 5 and 6, I want you to see what's going on in the context. What is going on in the life of Jesus? Because as I share with you, the Gospel of Matthew, which we are studying right now, is not so much written chronologically. Matthew didn't write his Gospel chronological. He wrote it thematically. He wrote themes. Luke was much more chronological. So look at what happened right before Jesus taught what we call the Sermon on the Mount. Look with me at verse number 12 of chapter 6. In these days, he, being Jesus, went out to the mountain to pray. And all night he continued in prayer to God. And when day came, he called his disciples and chose from them twelve, whom he named apostles. And then it lists who they were. And then they come off of the mountain. And then Jesus preaches the greatest sermon Ever preached. Now think about what this means. Jesus has identified his apostles, the sent ones, the ones that he will send into the world to reach the world. But before they go, he needs to continue to, to, to mold them, to conform them. And to do that, he preaches the Sermon on the Mount. He's warning them about some truths that, that we need to be reminded of. Now you can go back to Matthew chapter 5. These are things that we have dealt with together. If you're new with us, what we do here at Centerpoint is we work through books of the Bible. And right now, we are in the midst of a study of the Gospel of Matthew. We just finished up Matthew chapter 5. We finished that up a couple months ago. We took a little bit of a break, but we're back now. And today we're going to look at Matthew chapter 6. But what I want us to remember is what kind of the theme was of Matthew chapter 5. We boiled it down to four things. First of all, God is holy. And I often would stand right here, remember, when we talked about the gospel of Matthew? And Jesus is pointing us to the Father, pointing us to God, and seeing that he is holy. And when we see his holiness, man is broken. Man is broken. Blessed are the poor in spirit who recognize they have nothing of worth to bring to God. So man is broken now, knocked down on the floor. I can't be good enough. I can't produce righteousness. I am broken before the Lord. And so my only option is to call out for the grace of God. 
is I'm lying on the floor, broken by the, by the reality of the holiness of God, and seeing my own sinfulness, I cry out for grace. God, give me grace. I need it. I'm broken. I break myself and I break everybody around me. Everyone around me is experiencing the consequences of sin. Much of it my own sin. And so I call out for grace. And in his grace, Jesus does this miraculous work. He gives us a new heart, a new spirit, a new mind. And starts a process of conforming us to his image. So chapter 5, it, it just run your eyes over it. See, we had the Beatitudes, we had salt and light. In Matthew chapter 5, verse number 20, Jesus makes a statement that is quite honestly shocking. I mean, it just blows our minds what he says in Matthew 5, 20. He says, for I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter into the kingdom of heaven. Breaks the listeners. He just breaks them. Some people say, well, I've never committed adultery, so I'm okay, right, Jesus? And Jesus says, if you look at a woman to lust for her, you've committed adultery in your heart. Another person says, well, I've never murdered, so I must be okay. I'm not a murderer. Jesus says, if you have anger in your heart, you're guilty of murder. So he's, he's just breaking us down. And he says, the only hope we have of ever coming to God is being more righteous than the most righteous person you can ever imagine. So he brings up the scribes and the Pharisees. He brings them up as an example. They are held up as the, the model of what it looks like to be righteous. He says, you got to exceed that. He wants to break us. He wants to kill us. So that we know the only hope we have is the new life we have in Jesus. Matthew 5 was all about belief. It was about what you know about God. You could say it's about theology. It's about what we are to think or what we are to know about God. But now we're going to transition in Matthew chapter 6. We're going to see a transition Look, at me, look, at me, look with me at Matthew chapter 6, verse number 1. Look what Jesus says here. Matthew 6, 1. He says, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Jesus here is transitioning. He's transitioning in his thought process. In his sermon, he's transitioning. In chapter 5, he dealt with what you know, what you believe, what is true of God. But now, in Matthew chapter 6, in the second part of Jesus' sermon, he's going to talk about what we do, what we practice, how we live. He's going to practice, he's going to talk about now that our, our lives should reflect what we believe. But before he goes into that, he's got to deal with the problem that man has. And it's a problem of desiring to please men. 
Do you understand that one? I mean, this is real life. We, we have in us a longing to please each other. A longing for people to like us. To be impressed by us. To think that we've got something all together. And it takes many forms. It takes the form of materialism where I'm going to have things that will impress you. It takes the form of, of my body image or what I wear and I want to impress you. It takes the form of what I do and what I say and the words that I use and the things that I do and the places that I go and I want to impress you. Do you understand this or is it just me? That it's in us a, a desire, a longing to get you to think much of me. It's in all of us. We like to talk about it about teenagers. We call it peer pressure. Listen, peer pressure has nothing compared to your materialism. Am I right? It has nothing compared to people thinking how wealthy you are or how, how fit you are or how strong you are or how smart you are or how successful you are. It doesn't go away at age 20. It doesn't go away with the teen years. It's right there in our lives, right there before us all the time. But what Jesus is going to deal with is maybe, it, maybe the most sickening form of it at all. The most repulsive form of man-pleasing. And it's religion. Religion. Look with me in Matthew chapter 6. Look what he says in verse number 2. Thus when you give. He's going to talk about our giving. And the repulsive nature of giving for the praise of men. And then in verse number 5 he's going to talk about prayer. And the repulsive nature of praying to impress people. It makes God sick. In Amos chapter 5, I'm not going to have time to go there today. You can look at it. He says, I hate your religious activities, God says to, the, to his people. I hate them. I hate your feast. I hate it. God can hate our worship. He can hate our prayer. And it, goes, it keeps going. Look at verse number 16. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, that their fast may be seen by others. This religious activity of giving and of praying and of fasting, this is the worst of the worst. I mean, this is, this, is, this is the bad news stuff here. Where we are doing this for the praise of men. See, what, what Jesus wants us to, to live and what he wants us to, our, the heart commitment of our lives is this. That I will live for Jesus Christ and his kingdom. Only. Only. I will live for him, the king. And his kingdom. And not the praise of men. Let's talk about 6-1 today. That's all I'm going to get to today. All right, We're going to take the next couple of weeks and deal with the, the remainder here of this section. But today there's, there's so much in 6-1 that, that I think we need to talk about. We're going to talk about that Jesus calls us to authenticity. That's what he wants. He wants authenticity. And what that means is we, we've got we've to beware and to avoid hypocrisy. 
We're going to deal with that today. And instead of of hypocrisy, we're going to live for his glory and my joy only. Only. That's the only thing I'm going to live for. That's it. So let's, let's go into this today. First of all, his call for authenticity. Look what it says here in verse number one. He says, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people. Now, the main command in this passage, if, if you could see the, the main command, the main command is beware. That's the main command. This is what you are to do. You are to beware. Beware of something. And, and to beware means to be, be on guard, to have it in your mind, to, to, to understand that there is, a, there is a tendency in this direction. To ha- you should have something on your mind. But what I want us to see here is, a, is kind of a corollary of that command. The command is to beware. But the corollary truth is that you and I should have acts of righteousness. I mean, look at the passage. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people. The implication here is that in our lives, there should be acts of righteousness. There should be. And Jesus is going to use three religious activities. Giving, praying, fasting. There should be acts of righteousness in our lives. And so we need to understand that first. And what I want to, what I really want to land on here is the reality that a decision to follow Christ always produces a result. Now, the way theologians would say this is that justification implies sanctification. I'm going to help you understand what that means. You can see it in the Bible, and I've got a verse here for you I want to put up on the screen, I think. Um, It's Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and 10. For by grace you are saved, you have been saved, that is, through faith. And this, not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works. So that no one may boast. Now we, we are familiar with this passage. And it's, it's a great truth that we are saved. We are forgiven only by the grace of God. There's nothing we can do to work our way to God. But Ephesians 2.10 is very important as well. When we come to Christ, there will be works. A new creature produces acts of righteousness. A brand new believer or an old believer will show righteousness. This is a reality that we have to understand. If the Spirit of God comes and lives in you, He's going to have an effect. There will be a demonstration of His presence. Now, I said, I used some words a minute ago. Here, I'll put them on the screen so you can hear what I'm saying. Justification. This means complete forgiveness. Complete forgiveness as a gracious gift from God. I am justified. That means it's just as if I've never sinned. That I am given the righteousness of God. But justification always implies sanctification. Sanctification is a progressive work of God. Where God often slowly, but sometimes quickly, 
conforms us to the image of Jesus. When the Spirit of God comes and lives in us, He makes us look and act and think and feel like Jesus. This is what Jesus is saying. Let your acts of righteousness beware that they not be done for the praise of men. Now there, there is a lie that's, that's taught often in, in many environments where, you know, you can just, you just believe and then, and then, you know, you live any old way you want to. That's impossible. Because once the Spirit of God comes and lives in you, He won't let that be true. He loves you too much. So if no acts of righteousness, if no works of righteousness then no salvation is what this means. If there's no fruit in your life of the Spirit of God's presence, you have reason to be concerned. There should be acts. Now, let's go back to 6.1 though. So see, here's what happens. People hear what I just said. It's, you can't help but come to this conclusion when you read the Bible. But it's all through the Bible. And so once you realize this truth, you, you stand at like a, a three-way Y in the road. Okay? You, you understand that if I am really in Christ, then there's going to be acts of righteousness. It's going to show. If the Spirit of God comes and lives in me, there's going to be a demonstration of that. So we stand at this three-way option, okay? And Jesus is going to deal with one of them. I'm going to hit over the first two real quick. Some people just deny the truth of Jesus. They hear this. They hear what, what should happen. They just deny it. Nah, you know, fingers in my ears, head in the hole. I don't want to think about that. They just deny it. We don't want to go there. Some people cry out the guy on the ground they cry out God I, I can't do it I can't do I, I can't produce acts of righteousness I can't and Jesus says I know that's why I give you my spirit and together we'll change you but there's a third option and, and it will make sense if you think about it it makes human sense but it's a repulsive sin so some people deny and, and some people cry. But what Jesus is going to talk about is those who lie. They lie. They see the truth of God. They see the word of God. They see that there should be, there should be acts of righteousness. And in their pride, they don't, they don't admit they're broken. They don't cry out to God. So what do they do? Well, they fake it. You know, fake it till you make it. You know that, right? And they know how to do it. I mean, some of you have been running around this place for a long time. Some of you have been here for like almost 11 years and far beyond that. You know what the acts of righteousness are supposed to look like. You know what it looks like when you practice righteousness. You, you know the talk. You know the walk. You know, you know when to have a tear come in the corner of your eye. You know when to raise your hands. You know when to sign up. You know when to do all of this, Right? And some people, 
like these people that Jesus is, is, is responding to, they, their reflex is in their pride. They, they don't even want to admit to God or to themselves that they're on the floor. See, they aren't, they aren't poor in spirit. They aren't mourning. They aren't hungering for, for righteousness. And their pride, they'll put it on. And they're not being conformed to the image of Christ. They're performing the image of Christ. And that is the very word that Jesus uses. Go with me to the text again. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. That word seen by them is a theatrical word. You know that? It's the word for watching a play. Seated in an audience, watching a performance. To be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites. Oh, now there's a word we know well. Hypocrite. You know, it's actually a Greek word. If you can say the word hypocrite, you know a Greek word. You know that? It's, it's straight out of the Greek. It's, hypocrite is a Greek word. That's exactly what it says in the Greek. Hypocrites. Hypocrite. What is it? It was literally an actor. It's literally what it, a performer. It was a person that put on, literally put on a mask, memorized the words of a play, stood in front of a host of people, and repeated them. This is what Jesus is warning us against. He says, beware of hypocrisy. You know the character of God. You know the way of God. Now beware of hypocrisy. Oh. Watch out for this, folks. This is an actor on stage driven by their desire to receive the praise of men. Driven by a desire to have people be impressed by them. And it's repulsive to God. Because it's pride. God resists the proud. He gives grace to the humble. Look what it says here. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people. It doesn't stop there. This doesn't mean don't do anything if somebody is looking. That's not what it means. It's about my purpose. Beware of doing things before other people in order to. Here is your purpose. It's a purpose statement. Here is what's driving me. Here's my motivation. In order to be seen by them. He goes on to say over and over and over. You can see it in verse number three. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. I'm going to stop for today, but I just want to say this before we go, before we wrap up our time. It could be today that there, there might be a great, great actor here in front of us. 
You might be an expert performer. And And in your pride, you say, I've been performing so long. I've been acting so long. I I can't let anybody else know. I can't let anyone else know. Listen, that is the lie of Satan. God already knows. So do you. If you're performing for the praise of men, if you're acting that people will be impressed by you, in your heart today, admit that to God. Listen, it happens to believers and unbelievers. It happens to people who know Jesus. They, they, they change gears and they shift down to where now they're just operating to impress people. Turn from that. Turn from your wicked way. Move to God. His grace will move towards you. He forgives in a second. Takes you back as his own. Jesus knew us. He knew the way of men and women. And said, beware. Beware. That you don't practice your righteousness before others. That they may see you. Instead, we live for Jesus Christ and his kingdom alone. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for your grace that is new today. And Lord, I do lift up the one that that has been showing for so long a great, a great act of, of theater genius, Lord. Break them today. Lord, for the one that realizes today that that this is a tendency they have, but they're fighting against it, Lord, encourage them. Fan the flame of resistance. Let your spirit consume their thoughts with you. May we be servants of Christ, not the servants of man. Thank you for your grace, Lord, for your forgiveness. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.